the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning, Ohio. This is the Bob France Authority. Pete Kersenow substituting for Bob France again, placing his program in serious jeopardy of having his FCC license revoked by having me on. We have been talking about all manner of issues. We just got off the phone with Jay Christian Adams from the Public Interest Legal Foundation talking about voter integrity. And now I know, based on my guest appearances on this show, that we're going to be addressing a topic of primary interest to so many of our listeners. It impinges on so many of our freedoms. It affects so many of our freedoms, and that is the vaccine mandate related to COVID. Uh, I know that when I've been a guest on Bob's show, it is something that has riled up the populace. You can watch any of the TV shows, new shows, and you know that people are concerned about it. It has so many things to do with various aspects of our freedom, and none better than to address this than our friends from Alliance Defending Freedom, which we always have on whenever I'm guest hosting. And I'm pleased to have with me Ryan Tucker from ADF. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great, Pete. Thanks for having me. Well, it's our pleasure. Now, right now, and we'll talk about a little bit about the posture of the case, and I know you don't have too much time, but... um and I do this in my day job. I'm a labor lawyer, and we address mandates. And I've dealt with OSHA for nearly four decades. And they issued this ETS, this Emergency Temporary Standard, that pretty much it, it gave an option to employers. And I'll let you kind of describe what it is. But there have been a number of challenges that had been brought um, to enjoin enforcement. And my understanding right now is after the last 48 hours or so is the administration has placed enforcement of the mandate on hold. Ryan, tell me a little bit about um, the mandate and where things stand right now. Sure. Well, you're absolutely right. The There is a, a slight pause right now, but I don't want your 
uh, listeners to think that the OSHA is simply laying down on this. That's not at all, you know, what's happening. Um, OSHA's mandate, as you, as you mentioned, it, it, it pre- creates very onerous um, uh, uh, restrictions and requirements on behalf of employees and employers. So by uh, early December, at least uh, according to um, the OSHA mandate itself, the employers have to put in place policies that uh, either uh, require the uh, employees to get vaccinated uh, or face onerous weekly testing. And uh, right now, all of that is put on hold, mostly because of a decision that came out of the Fifth Circuit, the Court of Appeals uh, in Texas, Mississippi, Louisiana area. But that decision actually had a nationwide impact because it said that uh, OSHA would not, at least uh, until further court order, uh, seek to enforce the mandate. Now, I know there was a lot of discussion about that yesterday in national media. Uh, really, what the genesis of that was, was OSHA updated its website to make very clear that it was going to adhere to that court order, at least for now. And I underscore, uh, at least for now, because I fully expect OSHA in the coming days to file a motion, a request, to undo that order. And so we'll just have to see how this week plays out in really the coming days. And where would they file that? I understand that the cases that have been filed in various circuits have been consolidated in the Sixth Circuit. Where would OSHA do that? Well, you're right. All the cases, uh, it's kind of an odd process, and it's unique uh, really to this sort of area of the law. But, but all the cases, 34-plus, were, were thrown into the same uh, court, into the Sixth Circuit. And so our expectation is uh, that the federal government will be filing a motion to dissolve, a motion to get rid of that order in the Sixth Circuit. Now, there are also other competing requests. Uh, Our own clients, in fact, have filed a request uh, for the Sixth Circuit to hear this en banc, meaning before the whole court. A lot of moving parts. There's a lot of um, uh, potential avenues and ways this thing could go. But I think in the coming days, we'll certainly get a lot more clarity directly from the Sixth Circuit. Yeah. Now, there are a number of challenges, as you've indicated, that have been lodged against this mandate. What is, say, the primary argument that Alliance Defending Freedom is making in opposition to this mandate? Sure. Well, you know, one of the things that that certainly I, our organization, and certainly my team, I, I do a lot of work with churches and religious organizations. When we looked at this, we said, wait a second. Why is the federal government invading upon the autonomy of religious organizations, invading upon, really, their employment space, where they have First Amendment uh, freedom? And, you know, religious organizations, they're generally free under the First Amendment to, to teach, to serve, you know, to worship without government interference. And what this OSHA mandate is seeking to do is really use these religious organizations as more or less an arm of the state and come in and invade upon that autonomy that, that these religious organizations have held uh, for decades. And so that's our probably number one concern, and that's why we're representing several religious schools. Uh, we have seminaries, um, other organizations that uh, are directly impacted, you know, by this mandate. Yeah, and, you know, you wonder what is the limiting principle here if OSHA can issue a mandate to employers that obviously affects their employees, that requires them to get a vaccine, uh, what can't they do? And what's the purview of OSHA, for example? Um, you know, this is an emergency temporary standard, 
and uh, it's, it's supposedly an emergency. Well, this is something that's been going on now for more than a year and a half, and all of a sudden OSHA has awakened, allegedly, to the fact that there's this emergency and has issued this emergency temporary standard. Is there an argument, Ryan, do you think, that this is not an emergency and this was just a clever attempt on the part of OSHA or the administration to get around the Administrative Procedure Act, for example? Uh, you, you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. In fact, uh, the administration itself is, has uh, said as much, that this is a, a true workaround. And, you know, as far as the limiting principle, you're absolutely right. Think about it. If, if the federal government, um, if the executive branch, can, can call upon, you know, OSHA to come in and do this, you know, what is the limiting principle? It, it's 100 now. Why not 50 tomorrow? Why not 25? You know, where is that line? And what's to prevent them from... Uh, putting their hands on, on other areas that they, that they shouldn't be. And so that, those are honestly the, the legal arguments that are included in the briefs that we filed, uh, with, with the courts. And, and I think it's absolutely right. You know, just commonsensically, you know, this has been going on now for a couple of years. And so it seems a, a little counterintuitive to suggest, okay, now, now we have this emergency. Uh, you know, I think those sort of common sense reactions to these, to these questions, are, are really the answer that uh, we ex- fully expect uh, the court to give us. Yeah, and, you know, my recollection is, and again, I'm getting old and my memory's a little fuzzy, but it seems like it was just last June or July <laughs> that uh, OSHA issued an ETS, an emergency temporary standard, with respect to the healthcare industry. And that one, which probably is a little bit more logical uh, in some respects than, say, all industries, but when they issued that standard, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they, they, they failed to include in that one a vaccine mandate, correct? That's right. That's right. And, you know, you're, you know, you, you, you think about, um, you know, whether it's, it's, it's a, a mandate from the summer or, you know, even going back to, um, you know, the CDC and the eviction moratorium. There's been several attempts by, by the administration to really overstep their bounds. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, look, Americans might have different opinions about, about that, the vaccine itself, but every American should agree that, you know, the administration, you know, it, this employer mandate is a vast and unlawful executive power grab. We see, we saw that with uh, this past June, um, the, the, uh, the mandate that you saw there, we saw it with the, um, the eviction uh, moratorium. In fact, you know, I was, looking just recently at the Fifth Circuit decision from this last Friday that really put a halt on all this. You know, one of the lines in there said something like, you know, health agencies do not make housing policy and occupational safety administrations do not make policy. And so, you know, we really have um, the administration using um, all, all facets to, to, to really overreach into the, the, the liberties of each and every citizen. I mean, this is impacting um, the vast majority of the United States. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, not overstating it, it's uh, kind of daunting and frightening to think that the federal government augurs to itself the authority to tell everybody in the United States, or at least those who are employed by employers over 100, that they have to take a vaccine when there are a host of liberties that are implicated here. Among others, and you know, you know this better than I do, we're talking about religious liberty. There are those who have a sincerely held religious belief or an objection to introducing foreign bodies into their into their body. It's an abridgment of physical autonomy, and we've got an agency, 
unelected bureaucrats who are going to be determining the manner in which this is going to happen. We never voted for this. There's not a consensus as to how how this is done. There's been no public debate. In addition, by circumventing the rulemaking process, for those of our listeners, normally an agency, when it is going to promulgate a rule or regulation, has to go through a process under the Administrative Procedure Act that, because powers have been delegated from Congress to this unelected body, you have to still have some due process related to notice, comment, and opportunity to be heard. There is, well, for lack of a better term, a semi-rigorous process so that if they issue a rule, affected individuals and entities can look at the rule, examine it, and then introduce comments as to why the rule should be amended or maybe not even be implemented. Was Nothing, nothing like that's been done in this case, has it, Ryan? No, no, absolutely not. No, this isn't. This is a this is a prime example of Big Brother coming in and saying, "This is best. Just just take it." I mean, that, that that's exactly right. They're they're bypassing um, what would normally be um, a, a notice and comment period, uh, assuming they even had the, the the requisite authority. Um, which you know, those there are so many different um, reasons why this is unlawful, unconstitutional, but. That's absolutely right. They, they're 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 violating the administrative uh, procedures that they should be should be following, and they're not doing that here. And as we just talked about, they're they're invading upon um, the religious autonomy of these institutions. I mean, it, you know, by requiring religious employers to enforce, you know, really a disinvalid mandate, the federal government is is imposing a, a crushing and an expensive. Uh, administrative burden on you know religious employers and others while imposing a substantial burden on religious freedom. I mean that's exactly what's going on here. Yeah, and one of the things of many that's frightening about this is uh, we talked about limiting principles. Uh, if they can do something like this, then what can't they do? Uh, this is bad enough standing alone. Even if the government were to stand down and say, we're not going to be implementing any more draconian rules or regulations, this is it forever and ever and ever for the remainder of the Republic's existence. This by itself, you think about all the other implications if they can do something, they can force you against your First Amendment rights to require your employers employees or as an employee be required as a condition of employment to get this vaccine. And let's say, for example, we haven't even gotten to the details of whether or not the vaccine is viable, whether or not it can present a health hazard to certain individuals, whether or not it may have long-term effects. And let's face it, we've been hearing over and over and over again that this has not been vetted or the vaccines have not been sufficiently vetted. And there could be unforeseen implications way down the road. But the government has said, through an unelected agency, you must do that if you're an employer over 100, and you must do it if you're a church, if you're a religious institution. Ryan, in in your experience with Alliance Defending Freedom, great friend of the show, have you seen anything as uh, draconian as this particular mandate? No, 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 not at all, nor have I seen... uh you know, uh, examples of, you know, the administration just boldly saying we really don't care what federal courts say about it. I mean, that, that's really that's what happened last uh, last week. You know, after the Fifth Circuit came out and, and, and sort of slapped the administration with, I thought, a, a great, well-reasoned order, you know, the deputy press secretary came out and said, well, um, yeah, don't worry about that. You guys still need to proceed going forward. I think that's why we're seeing all of these stories today and yesterday about OSHA 
updating the information on its website is because they recognize that they they better follow a, a federal court order. And uh, I think that's part of the news. So, again, I don't want your listeners to think that, you know, the battle is over. This battle continues. Uh, we fully expect to win, um, but it's uh, it's a day-by-day process, and, and we look forward to, to making these arguments in the Fifth Circuit. Ryan, you make a very good point insofar as the battle is it's never over. They come, keep coming after us again and again and again and again from a host of different angles. This is just one of them, an alarming one, uh, no question about that. But we are very pleased that we've got the Alliance Defending Freedom. We've talked to you folks on a number of occasions about all manner of things because the fight continues. It comes from, as I said, so many different quarters. And if we don't have an Alliance Defending Freedom and lawyers such as yourself manning the ramparts and making sure that our first freedoms are protected, we're going to be in bad shape. The left is on the march, and this administration... They don't even seem to recognize religious freedom. Ryan Tucker of the Alliance Defending Freedom. Ryan, thanks so much for appearing on the show. This is Pete Kersnow, Bob France Authority. We are going to be going to your calls and are going to be talking about all manner of issues at the bottom of the hour and actually after this particular break. One of the things that we're going to be talking about is Contract with America. Where are we right now as a nation? Where are we going? What's going to happen in the next election cycle? And what can we do to preserve the United States of America and the freedoms that we cherish? Hello again, Cleveland. It's the Bob France Authority. Pete Kersnow sitting in for Bob France. We've got open lines. I think for the first time that I've ever substituted for Bob France, we have open lines right now. So if you wish to participate, please call in at 901-0945. We'll address any topic that you want to talk about. 901-0945 and 888-281-1500. One 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 zero one 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 zero. Okay, so anything you want to talk about, we're ready to go. We can talk about it. In the last hour and a half, we have spoken to Jay Christian Adams, one of my colleagues on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, and we talked about ballot integrity, voting integrity, a crucial issue. And at uh, the top of this hour, we just got off the phone with Ryan Tucker from the Alliance Defending Freedom, talking about the vaccine mandate and impingements on our fundamental freedoms, of which there are many. One of the things that I mentioned at the top of the last hour was this notion that we might have a contract with America that we did in 1994. That is, the Republicans would put forth something like that. Yeah, it sounds somewhat gimmicky, admittedly. Sounds like a gimmick, but if there was ever a time when we should have a contract with America so we could hold politicians to account 
It's right now. It's also, I think, a smart electoral thing to do. You know where people stand. You can measure them against another candidate. And you know what kind of things we need to do to address all the maladies that we're currently facing, foisted on us in large part by the left in the Biden administration. Back in 1994, when Republicans for the first time in 40 years took over Congress, Newt Gingrich had posed a contract with America. It was considered to be one of the big selling items that resulted in the first time in 40 years Republicans taking over Congress. And right now, given the polling data that we see, we are really poised to have a red tsunami. Extraordinary what we're seeing here. I told you about some of those numbers before. We have never in history seen such a rejection of the Democratic Party as we see right now on the generic ballot issue. Usually, in the last two cycles, the two biggest waves we've seen where Republicans have taken over Congress, 1994 and 2010, the the generic ballot measure was tied between Democrats and Republicans. Tied, and we still saw a 54-seat takeover by the Republicans for the first time in 40 years in 1994, and an even greater takeover in 2010. It was tied at that time. Usually, Democrats have to have a four-point lead just to break even. Now, according to the Washington Post, of all places' own poll, Republicans have a 10-point lead, and on Rasmussen, a 13-point lead. That looks like a complete wipeout, but it's a long time between now and then. The phone lines have lit up all of a sudden. We've got a number of people on the phone. We're going to get to your calls. Let's see. I think we've got a minute or so yet. Yeah, my great producer has told me we've got another. Let's go to Steve in North Ridgeville. Steve, go ahead. Hey, how's it going, guys? Very good. What's on your mind? Something about the deficit, I think. Um, well, first off, you know, why isn't the GOP doing a little more, uh, you know, get, getting people into the Republican Party, you know? Um, two, they're always talking about the deficit. We always want to borrow, you know, money. You know, the government's wanting to create these spending packages. But, you know, nobody talks about that. The government doesn't have money. They have our money. Or they're borrowing against, you know, um, bonds and such. And with that, they borrow the money. They ship it out. They pay it out where they want. But nobody says anything about, you know, for every dollar they borrow, we're paying, you know, the American taxpayer pays back $3 for every dollar they borrow. Nobody talks about that stuff. Oh, yeah. And and Biden's not talking about it. more people into the GOP, especially the younger people? And, you know, the deficit, why aren't we talking about they borrow the money from us and then we have to pay back, you know, three times? They borrow a dollar from us. It ends up costing us four. Steve, one of the pet peeves that clearly you have, I have, and many of us who are conservatives have is the incredibly poor, if any, messaging on the part of Republicans. There are so many things that need to be said, not just from the standpoint, and this is important, from the tactical standpoint of winning elections, but for informing the public on policy issues as to why we need to do certain things. These are critical items, and Republicans are too often asleep at the switch, and we're hungry to hear these things. And it's a winning message, just from the standpoint of their own personal benefit. Argue about these things. Raise these issues, such as Steve has raised, and then you will win. We are on the right side on these issues. We shouldn't be cowed by the moronic administrations of the media and Democrats. But I repeat myself 
We are at the bottom of the hour. When we come back, we've got Jim from Medina, Nancy from Lindhurst. We've got other individuals holding who have not been identified yet. Thanks very much for your calls to this point. This is Pete Kersnow sitting in for Bob France and the Bob France Authority. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Against the lies of the liberal media pandemic. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning, Cleveland. This is Pete Kristoff sitting in for Bob France on the Bob France Authority. We've talked about all manner of issues, vaccines, election integrity. We've got a number of callers on hold. I'm going to try to get to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for calling. And we're going to go in order. The first person uh, on the list who's been holding for at least 10 minutes now is Jim from Medina. Jim, how are you? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> Peter? Yes, I'm here. Go ahead, Joe. Oh, okay. Uh, I always appreciate your appearances on the media. A couple months ago, you were on the uh, uh, City Club of Cleveland. Oh, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really admire your courage going into that cesspool of liberalism. <clears throat> Do you have any comments to make about that, show? Well, um, thanks very much, Jim. Yeah, it was several months ago. It was uh, City Club's uh, annual forum, and I was being interviewed. It was I, I enjoyed it tremendously. I, I like that kind of rigorous back and forth. And we talked about all manner of issues. Um, I would simply say that I think it's important for conservatives to go into lion's dens as often as possible. I'm not saying the City Club was. Uh, I think that it was a fair presentation. I think that you're supposed to get rigorous questions. And it gives me and gives conservatives an opportunity to distinguish our firmly held beliefs and our rational thoughts from those of of liberals. Many of the things we're seeing now, and I, I know that you concur because I get emails, I hear from people all the time on this, that we are in an era that we've not ever seen before in our lifetimes. It seems as if before we used to say, well, the, this is nutty stuff or, you know, uh, you know th- this is a bad policy prescription. It's almost not an exaggeration to say some of the policy prescriptions we're seeing now are literally insane. This is not Democrat Republican. This is insane versus sane these days. And I, I say I don't say that lightly. Uh, when you start talking about in an era of rampant and dangerous inflation, spending trillions of dollars more. What the heck is going on? And I say again, a lot of good Republicans are sounding the alarm. And of course. You know, Republicans have a difficult time raising our voices because the media, 90% of which is on the left, is not going to give us voice. But nonetheless, we should be on every rooftop shouting. If you are an elected Republican or running for office, you should be out there pitching a holy fit. And I know Sister Mary Grace is holding, and I apologize to Sister Mary Grace for saying that. But nonetheless, you should be going absolutely crazy about this. Larry Elder says we've got a country to save. It's incumbent on every single one of us to do just that. Let's go to Nancy and Lindhurst. 
Nancy, are you there? Yes, good morning. Um, if I recall correctly, we used to have a rover coming from the Board of Election on each voting location and reviewing what's going on. And they used to post at the door, they used to post the list of the people who are already voting. As long as we can guarantee security for the rover, they should be coming to each voting location and check what's going on. Yeah, Nancy, I think that's a, a good point to make. Um, if you have those kinds of checks and balances and you've got individuals who are doing that, it's, it's a lot more difficult. I mean, there's, there's counterbalancing arguments, obviously, but it's a lot more difficult for certain precincts that are controlled by, let's, let's say you go to Philadelphia, Detroit, some of the heavily Democratic jurisdictions. I mean, we know that Chicago is probably the best example of there being Democratic machines there that control every aspect of voting, including who's counting the votes, which is the most important thing. It's more difficult to engage in shenanigans when you've got people who aren't necessarily um, you know, designated for a given area to go around and make sure that there's an election integrity. We have to have a multifaceted and multi-level insurance for our election integrity. Many of us, now, right now, if you were to utter the phrase that, I'm not sure what happened in the 2020 election, just simply being agnostic about whether or not the election in 2020 was on the up and up, you are not simply read out of polite society. They view you almost in Soviet fashion as being an enemy of the state. You are deplatformed from major media. You have people looking at you as if you need to be investigated by the FBI. Uh, and let's face it, um, look, I've got friends in the FBI. I've dealt with mem- members of the FBI in the past for a variety of issues. And on an individual basis, we're talking about good people. But the institution, there's a reason why so many Americans have no faith or are skeptical at best about the FBI these days because they see the FBI at the top levels have being in, as being involved in the greatest political scandal in American history, which has now been confirmed by the um, indictment of, uh, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Dinchenko, uh, uh, the, the Russian uh, uh, informant, who was the basis for all these things, for the, the Steele dossier. This was a giant political hit job, as we all knew from the outset, by the Clinton campaign. But I'm getting far afield important for us to maintain ballot integrity. Let's see. Let's go to Tom in Florida with the Contract of America. How are you, Peter? Doing well, Tom. How are you? Real good. Hey, I, you know what? You said about the Contract of America. Why don't they have bills like the infrastructure just be infrastructure? Why do they have to put all this pork stuff in? I know that's because they want everything passed. But why don't they have a contract like that? I was a councilman where I live, if we wanted to do road improvements, the bill had to be, or the ordinance had to be for the road. It wasn't yeah. for everything else. Right, exactly. One so. of the pet peeves of so many of us, Tom, is that they put together these porculous bills. You know, there was a time when I was younger and probably when you were younger, when there was a bill proposed on discrete issue, and it would be narrow. Sure, they might put in a few other things here and there, but it would be about, you know, widgets, let's say. It wouldn't be loaded up with widgets and a thousand other things, and it would not be an omnibus bill for which there was really no true debate, where they'd simply dump 
a multi-thousand page bill on everyone's desk. No one reads it. They may claim they do, but nobody. I'm a fast reader, a very fast reader. And like members of Congress, I've got a lot of other hats that I wear. I got a lot of other things to do. But if you put a thousand page or three thousand page bill on my desk, and if you've ever read this legislation, it is mind mind bogglingly dense. It has references to other statutes, to other provisions. It is almost impossible to discern what is going on in these bills, and yet they give you no more than 24 hours or 48 hours in which to read it and vote on it. No one knows what's in these things, and that's precisely the point. They're not held accountable. What we need is, along with you know a contract for America, why do we need these omnibus bills? Let's slow down a little bit, argue about discrete bills. Let's also talk about the spending where they lard in all these bills. Everybody wants their own particular project in these things and buy off votes that way. And that's, you know, a hallowed kind of of procedure that's been done in America for a long time, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's right. Simply because it was done before doesn't mean it's right. We have a $30 trillion national debt. $30 trillion. Almost impossible to comprehend. We are talking about a GDP debt ratio that we've never seen in this country before. The old phrase of, if something can't go on, it won't, that applies here. We cannot continue along this path and believe that the United States of America is going to exist in the form that we currently see. An impossibility, and we better take care of it right now. Otherwise, we used to talk about our kids and grandkids. Heck, we're talking about ourselves. We're on a precipice right now. And everybody listening to the show understands this probably much better than I do. We're alarmed, and we have reason to be alarmed. Almost every aspect of our government and almost every major institution is being led by people who have absolutely no idea what they're doing. We have seen fundamental failures on so many levels. It's extraordinary. Without me pontificating anymore, let me go to my favorite Sister Mary Grace in Old Brooklyn. Sister Mary, are you there? What an honor to speak with Mr. Kersnow. Wow. This is wow for me. God bless you, Mr. Kersnow. Well, thank you, Sister. I appreciate you, and I'm telling you, God is watching all of us. Well, I'm in trouble then. (laughs) Wake up, America. Because I'm telling you, those duck bucks, I don't watch TV, too much propaganda. I got rid of it, and they gave me such a hard time. They wanted to give it to me free. I said, I don't want it free. Uh, but the point is, I worked the election. But when I found out that Armand Budish is stepping down, I thought, oh, the fish rots from the head. So I'm thankful that he's going. But the point is, damage is done, and it needs to be rectified. Our counties were bought out by the Zuck Bucks. Honey, 44 out of 88, Mary's not playing with you. And I still want a sheriff, a constitutional sheriff voted in, voted in so I can study him and know who he is about in Cuyahoga County. This crooked river, God's going to make it straight. That's what I pray for. Well, thanks very much for your comments, Sister Mary Grace, and I agree with you entirely on these things. Um, You know, we have an obligation in this country to make sure that every level of government is acting consistent with the Constitution of the United States, the will of the people, and actually is getting things done and not simply just doing things to promote party over country. 
Uh, one of the reasons why I like it when Sister Mary Grace calls is because, you know, she is grounded in faith, and it's something that, and I don't want to pontificate here, but I think many of our listeners understand that we have been going down a path, a secular path, that is what's gotten us where we, where we are right now. We can't pr- continue to proceed down this path and expect that the greatest nation in the history of the world is going to remain so. The Founding Fathers gave us a First Amendment for a reason, and it contains several components. Free speech, of course, freedom of association, but freedom of religion, and they understood the importance of that, not just the freedom to exercise the religion, but as many of our Founding Fathers had indicated much more eloquently than I could ever posit, that we are only as good as our faith is going to be. If we lose that, we're going to lose America. Let's go to Brian in Cleveland on out-of-control spending. Brian, are you there? Hey, Pete, how you doing? Yes, I'm doing Brian. Great. Hey, great. It's a privilege to talk to you. Thanks. Um, any rate, not to take you out of context, but you said, you know, we're coming up on a $30 trillion deficit here. The out-of-control spending has to stop. Okay, what do we do to put to put a cap on this. Apparently, like I told the screener, my phone call and my voice to Anthony Gonzalez, my congressperson, didn't mean a damn thing. He went and voted for it anyway. Yeah. So what are we, I mean, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, it's, when it's, apparently our voice doesn't mean anything, they're going to do what they want to do anyway. Right. Not an easy fix. You know, it's easy for me to sit here and say, well, we've got to get control on this stuff, you know, and we've got to, you know, do this, that, and the other thing. That's easy for us to say, but at least that's the first step. But what we have to do is what many of our callers have talked about. We've got to be working the polls. We've got to make sure that we've got ballot integrity. We've got to actually get engaged and hold people to account. Now, I happen to go to, and I maybe I've got a little bit more um, uh, access than most, but we all do have this access. I go to the candidates themselves and ask them questions. And usually I'm not just asking questions. I give them the what for, as I am like to say. I like to tell them what it is that's going wrong. And if they're in elected office already, hold them to account. And I will call, call people out on this show and any other form in which I'm at and let them say, hey, look, I like what this individual did, but look what he did wrong here. That's what's important in a representative democracy. Brian, the mere fact that you call this show is important. It gets your issues out there and your concerns, and other people do that. Here's what I've told people whenever I appear, and a number of you have heard this. Uh, thousands of you out there have heard me say this. It is imperative. Uh, you know, for, for me to give you a, an overarching galactic prescription for how to get things solved is going to fall on deaf ears. Do the little things first. And here's the littlest thing you can do, which is enormously effective. Believe me, because I've been there. I've seen it happen in the halls of Congress. I've been right there. I've told you this before. Get a 3 by 5 index card. This is going to take you five minutes to do today. A 3 by 5 index card. List on that card the names, addresses, phone numbers, and email addresses of your relevant elected officials at the local, state, and federal level. It doesn't have to be everybody, but those that have the greatest amount of of, um, influence over what policy prescriptions are in your jurisdiction. Do that and place it next to your phone and your computer so that when you hear something, you don't have that, that, that upsets you or you think you want to talk to somebody about, you are not confronted with the impediment of not having access to that person's phone number and then all of a sudden you're distracted by something else and you forget about it or you know you put it relegated to something else do that and make the one phone call and all it has to be is one phone call a month 
or one even in a year. But those things are cumulative, and I've seen it when I've been in congressional offices on major issues, and the phones have rung, uh, uh, rung off the hook, and it has gotten their attention and has affected votes. It works. Just do that. This is P. Curse now. Bob France Authority will be coming back after the break, and we've got uh, Mike and Akron. We've got others holding. I hope we can get to everybody here. Again, thanks for your calls. We'll be back in a minute. Do you remember the bills you have to pay for even yesterday? It's the Bob France Authority here. On AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Cleveland Peakers. Now sitting for Bob France. We only have a couple minutes left, and I want to get to the rest of our callers, if we can. Tom in Medina. Tom, you want to talk about voter integrity. Go. Yeah, well, you mentioned earlier you had some kind of a publication you send out. Would that have your, how do I get it, and what, you said you had a way to email you. I like to email you. <laughs> I get so many well, emails, I have to tell you. Um, my problem is that I, I wear so many different hats. For all of you who have tried to email me, I try to get back to you as soon as I possibly can. The problem is that uh, I've got a day job. Actually, I've got three day jobs. And so I okay. try to get you. So, so please, I, I don't want to do it over the, the phone or over the lines okay. right now. Otherwise, I'll be in, inundated. Uh, but, Tom, right. okay, uh, well, get in about, touch with me. About, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Get in touch well, with I, me I offline. I want to. Throw, I can go ahead. Get in touch with me offline. I'll be happy to interact with you. Okay, and I don't want to give you short shrift. I want to get to our other callers here. Tom, thanks so much for your call. Let's go to Mike in Akron. Mike, are you there? I'm here, Peter Kirsch. Now, I love, respect, admire you. Thank you for fighting the good fight. Hey, I was at a church. I love the pastor. I've known him for many years, and he was talking about being bold, being bold in our faith. I agree with that. You know, and just sharing our faith. And he said, you know, being bold does not mean arguing about politics. I was so disappointed to hear him say that. Uh, you know, and, and listen, I mean, we can articulate what we believe without getting angry. And I think that's a winsome way to discuss, you know, politics. But, he, I mean, you know, back in the days of Jesus, they didn't have a republic, right, a, a democratic republic like we have today. So I, I just it's so frustrated with so many pastors you know, don't want to touch, you know, politics. And that's... What better way is there to fight against evil than getting involved in the public and fighting against evil in a peaceful way? I just don't understand where they're coming from. I wonder if you would comment on that. Yeah, you know, I, again, I don't want to instruct, uh, you know, the religious as to how they're supposed to approach uh, their professions. Uh, but I tend to agree with Mike on this. Look, the, the fact of the matter is the Democratic Party has absolutely no problem uh, bridging the supposed separation of church and state, which is not contained in the Constitution, by the way, but what the state is not supposed to be doing is bridging the religious freedoms of America. That's the key. But the Democratic Party goes into black churches all the time and campaigns there. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, it is, they use the black church as foot soldiers for their campaign message and for distributing literature. And Republicans have started to do a little bit of that too. But I think it's important for America to adhere to the Judeo uh, uh, Judeo-Christian values that formed the foundation of the United States of America. If we abandon those, and I don't, you know, I am ill-suited to pontificate on these things, but if we abandon those, 
we abandoned the United States of America. For the rest of you who've been holding, we're coming up on our time. Thank you so much. Thanks to Bob France for jeopardizing the FCC license and allowing me to substitute for the best program in America today. Pete Curse now for the Bob France Authority. God bless America and God bless you all. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.